June 24th will go down in history as the day the Supreme Court decided to take away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, welcome back to Nerdsplosion, the weekly podcast where based on a monthly topic, I nerd out about whatever I want. As always, I'm your host, Cameron. You guys remember when learning used to be fun? Well, they try to make learning fun now, but it's fun with quotation marks, so... Back then, it was like, yeah, learning's fun. But nowadays, it's learning is fun. Asterisks may or may not contain fun. <laughs> but <laughs> today, the reason I mentioned all this is because today's episode, I want to move on as part of Childhood Games Month to talk about edutainment games. Now, edutainment basically means, you know, educational entertainment. It's those those games you had as a kid that, you know, your parents got for you. Like, if you're a big video game person, they got for you for your computer. And like, here, if you're going to play video games all the time, at least use it to learn math or something. So, and back then, at least when I was a kid, all these edutainment games were just gold. They were fun. Um, most of them, probably not necessarily educational and like the grand scheme of things but a lot of them still counts as a lot of them still count as edutainment or educational fun and just today i wanted to go over some of those i'm going to go over uh, a lot of the bigger corporations a lot of the big production companies uh, publishers that did edutainment games and just you know talk about some of the ones that i went through and hopefully you guys can you know experience this with me and get a huge wave of nostalgia like i did researching this episode before I get into that, new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, so make sure you're liking, following, you know, doing every channel of podcasts, you know, because every little thing helps. But hey, enough beating around the bush. Let's talk about some edutainment games. Now, actually, before I get into that, I want to bring up a, uh, a thing from the last episode. Uh, last episode, I talked about the Living Books games, and there was actually another interactive story thing that I remember from my childhood 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 child childhood <laughs> anyway <laughs> i don't know what the fuck that was but there was another anyway there was another interactive storybook that i remember from my childhood and it was actually part of a series called disney animated storybooks which kind of self-explanatory it was interactive stories kind of like the living book stuff but it was from disney interactive and or was it Disney Interactive? I'm not sure. But basically, it was, you know, from Disney themselves. And it was like an interactive storybook of certain movies. Like, they had uh, Hercules, I believe. Uh, the one I had was based off of was Mulan. And it basically retold the story of Mulan. and went page by page. And you got to interact with different stuff. And there were different mini-games. It was just, it was really fun. And I, I forgot to mention that. Well... The last one I was talking about living books, so it wouldn't have really fit, but I just wanted to mention that too. But anyway, now that that is that we're over and done with, 
let's get on with the topic of the episode, edutainment games. Now, there were a lot of, you know, big publishers that did a lot of these edutainment games. And the first one I want to talk about is Edmark Corporation. Edmark Corporation was a publisher of educational print materials and an educational software developer in Redmond, Washington. They developed software for Microsoft Windows and Mac OS in several languages and sold it in over a dozen countries. Uh, some of the stuff they're responsible for are, and I'm going to go through all of these, Kid Desk, 1992, Strategy Challenges Collection 1, formerly Strategy Games of the World in 1995, Strategy Challenges Collection 2 in the Wild, 97, Theme Weavers Animals, Theme Weavers Nature, Travel the World with Timmy Deluxe, Let's Go Read 1, An Island Adventure, ages 4 to 6, Let's Go Read 2, An Ocean Adventure, ages 7 to 12, Stories and More, Animal Friends, Stories and More, Time and Place, Mind Twister Math, Space Academy GX-1, Virtual Labs Light, Virtual Labs Electricity, Talking Walls, Runner-Up for the Macworld 16th Annual Editor's Choice Award for Education, Talking Walls, The Stories Continue. Out of that list, there's more, but I just want to go back through this list. This was uh, just in general software. I had two of these. I had... Mind Twister Math and Space Academy GX. Now, Mind Twister Math, that was actually a really fun one. Uh, the whole plot of it was that you're a contestant on the game show and you got to choose between different wacky characters. And the whole thing was, you know, you answered questions relating to math to, you know, win this game show. And it was it was pretty cool, if I, if I do say so myself. Uh, the other one in this list is Space Academy GX-1. Now, this one, I remember, this basically taught kids about, like, space and, like, orbit and all that stuff. There was one, uh, there was one game in it where you had to adjust a rocket just right so that it makes a complete orbit around a planet. And it was actually really fun. It was, it taught me a lot about, uh, space, actually, and, you know, more than I would know regularly. Uh, continuing with this list, now, there's a section here called Early Learning House, which is, for, like, younger kids. Starting with Millie's Math House, 1992, ages 2 to 6. Uh, Bailey's Book House, 1993, ages 2 to 6. Sammy's Science House, 94, ages 3 to 7. Trudy's Time and Place House, in 95, ages 3 to 7. And Stanley's Sticker Stories, 1996. Out of all those, I had Millie's Math House, now, I'm sure, you know, a lot of you, I've actually had people I've talked to, I've had a friend recently who said they remember Millie's Math House, and I just, I don't know if it's the same game, but I remember a certain name, I, I believe it was Millie's Math House, but it started off with a bunch of kids yelling, yelling the title, it was like, Millie's Math House, and it's basically, you know, for young children, it was definitely for young Cameron, two to six, it, you know, it taught you math in a very fun way. And, you know, Millie was this, like, cow creature. It was it was a really fun game. Uh, now we move on to their other section called Thinking Things, which was a whole series of uh, series of games. And that includes Thinking Things Collection 1, formerly Thinking Things, in 1993 for ages 4 to 8. Thinking Things Collection 2 in 94 for ages 6 to 12. Thinking Things Collection 3, 1995, ages 7 to 13. Thinking Things Toonie and the Loon's Lagoon, 
Thinking Things All Around Fripple Town, ages 4 to 8 in 1999. Thinking Things Sky Island Mysteries, ages 8 to 12. Thinking Science, Thinking Science Series Zap, 98, and Thinking Space. Thinking the Zap one, I remember, like, vividly, like, as soon as I went through this list, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that one. But Zap, now the thing with that is that I forget what these things were but there was three of them and they were in a band and they had to perform a concert but they needed help setting up everything and just doing a bunch of stuff and of course you as the player you had to interact with stuff uh there was one of them had like a light refracting game that you had to complete which you know taught you how mirrors work and how light reflects and all that uh one of them was like sound waves it taught you about different sound waves like the you know height of a wave you know how how sound waves work, basically. And the other the other band member taught you about, like, electricity, like, you know, circuits and ohms and all that, and how that worked. It was, it was actually really in-depth. Like, I wouldn't have known this information if I had not, you know, I would not know anything about electricity now if I didn't play this game as a kid. And, you know, once you completed all the games, they got to do the concert, and during the concert, you did set, you got to set up different stuff and got to affect, you know, how the concert went. So, it was it was really fun. I definitely, I think there's still a way to play it. Uh, I When I was looking it up, there was a website that popped up. I think it had, like, a ROM on it. So, if you if you know a kid that, you know, needs to know about light reflect, right, 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 right. Light refraction, there we go, English Cameron. Light refraction, you know, sound waves and all that stuff. Or if you just want to rel- relive your childhood, you know, look it up. Thinking Science Zap. And, you know, the ROM should come up. Uh, the rest of this list, fuck, I don't remember, but I'm just going to go through them real quick anyway. Imagine Express Neighborhood, Imagine Express Castle, Imagine Express Rainforest, Imagine Express Ocean, Imagine Express Pyramids, Imagine Express Time Trip USA, and then the Mighty Math series. Mighty Math Carnival Countdown, Mighty, Mighty Math Number Heroes, Mighty Math Zoo Zillions, Mighty Math Calculating Crew, Mighty Math Astral Algebra, Mighty Math Cosmic Geometry. So yeah, Edmark was one of the one of the bigger educational game companies out there at the time. Uh, did they did they close down at all? Let me go through their history real quick. As of two thousand seven well, in September 2000, it was sold to Riverdeep Interactive Learning for $85 million. As of 2017, Houghton Mifflin Hardcore is offering the Edmark, Edmark House Series, Mighty Math, and Thinking Things brands as license, licensing opportunities on its website. So, I don't know if anybody stooped that up, but hey, if you're looking for licensing opportunities, they got you. <laughs> All right. So, enough about Edmark. Let's move on. Actually, I forgot I saved a thing on uh, Millie's Math House, but you know what? I already talked about that. So, how about we just move on, all right? Now, the one thing, the one game I remember the most as a kid, I had, like, very deep nostalgia for is Math Blaster Episode 1 in Search of Spot, known in other other forms as Mega Math Blaster. And if you don't remember what that is, I'll put a clip here of the intro to this game. In a galaxy far, far away, Spot, a friend of Blasternaut, flies past Lock'em-Up, the planet of prisoners. Suddenly, and without warning, 
The droid finds himself caught by the fiendish and just plain gross Jellator, the brain drainer. Oh boy, got me a smart little droid. <laughs> beep, beep. Beep, beep. The area of a circle is pi r squared. <laughs> pi. Which spot? Jellator finally has the intelligence he has long sought and the key to galactic command. Oh, Blastronaut and Galactic Commander, where are you? Ugh, what is this stuff? And where's Spot? Blastronaut, run that slime through your wrist analyzer. Freud, analyze! This is a trail of ooze left by Jellator. Jellator, the brain drainer. Yeah, he's the one who oozed the planet Moldar. These are the three energy crystals of Moldar, which power a generator that can free the planet and weaken him. Hey, I'm getting reading Spot was here. He's got Spot! Blastronaut, you go after Jellator while I look for a way into the generator. I'll get him, GC. You can count on it. Now, if that doesn't hit you right in the nostalgia, I don't know what will. But going off of uh, what I got here, Math Blaster Episode 1, In Search of Spy, is an edutainment game in a line of educational products created by Davidson and Associates and a remake of their earlier new Math Blaster Plus from 1991. Versions of the game were released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and Sega Genesis as simply titled Math Blaster Episode 1. The program was translated to Spanish and was published as Matas Blaster in Busca de Positron. A remake was done in 1996 released as Mega Math Blaster. When Knowledge Adventure merged with Davidson and Associates in 97, the game had a new makeover the following year under the title Math Blaster Ages 6-9. Finally, it was repackaged as Math Blaster 3rd Grade in 1999. I think that's the version I had. I had the Math Blaster ages 6 to 9. That's the that's the one I had. But yeah, I did not know this game came out on the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. I think this is the first, uh, doing research on this episode, this is the first edutainment game I found that was released outside of like PC and computer games. This was also released on like home video game consoles with Math Blaster being on the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Or, not Cytogenesis. What was it again? The, yeah, Cytogenesis. I was right. You were wrong. Get all my level scrub. And if you guys couldn't gather enough from the intro, basically you and this other character are in search of your little friend's spot. And you do that by traveling to different planets and do math-related games. Like you jump to different platforms by solving a math problem. You know, your basic math thing. But it was just, it was really cool. It was really entertaining. Uh, going through this Wikipedia, you know, there's the plot. Uh, it's very self-explanatory, but just to cover all bases, Spot and Blasternaut are preparing for a journey aboard their spaceship, only to find that the ship is not functional. Blasternaut, jumping to conclusions, sends Spot to repair a mechanism known as the Politronic Combustion Regulator, and Spot reluctantly begins repairs while the former goes below deck. As Spot works, the trash alien flies by, captures Spot, and departs, leaving garbage everywhere. Blasternaut, upon discovering this, contacts his superior officer, Galactic Commander, and notifies her of the situation. Galactic Commander immediately identifies the criminal and sends Blasternaut on a mission of four objectives. 
which is not the one I had. The one I had was, you know, the the blob guy took Spot and was like, oh, I'm smart now. I can take over this planet. And yeah, basically you solve math problems. Uh, going through this Wikipedia, I found something interesting here. There is a section called Effects of Y2K Bug. Let's read into this, shall we? The certificate given at the end of the game has a glitch. The coming of the year 2000 made the certificate reset, so that instead of saying you had earned the certificate on Saturday, January 1st, 2000, the certificate said you had won it on Saturday, January 1st, 1900. Y2K didn't reset the date, however, because January 1st, 1900 was a Monday. That is such a weird glitch. Yeah, that is real. I mean, I suppose, you know, a lot of games, computer games back then didn't have, you know, the resources to set everything to the new millennia or new century, you know, after the year 2000. But that is weird that it resets to 1900. It's it's weird that 1900 is even an option. Like, I mean, I suppose it's a kid's game, so they really don't care, you know, what years they put in there. But that's weird that it would reset all the way to 1900. But Math Blaster, yeah, Mega Math Blaster was a version, or Math Blaster ages 6 to 9 was the version I had, and that was the one that had, like, the story and the, oh, no, he's got spot, we gotta solve math problems to, you know, fix this, and, yeah, there was just, you know, it was a really fun game, and, you know, I had I you know, I got a lot of good time out of that, and it sucks that I don't know anything about math nowadays. <laughs> Alright, so we talked about Edmark Entertainment, we talked about Math Blaster, we talked about, you know, all the different other edutainment games, but I cannot, and I repeat, I could not have made a whole podcast episode talking about edutainment games without talking about the big boys, the big guns, and that is Humongous Entertainment. Humongous Entertainment Incorporated was an American video game developer based in Bothell, Washington. Founded in 1982, the company is best known for developing multiple edutainment franchises, most prominently Putt-Putt, Freddy Fish, Pajama Sam, and Spy Fox, which combined sold over 15 million copies and earned more than 400 awards of excellence. Oh, what's that? You want a little more history on Humongous? Well, sure, since you asked so politely. Humongous Entertainment was acquired by GT Interactive, later renamed Infograms Incorporated, then Atari Incorporated, in July 1996. By October 2000, sales of Humongous games had surpassed 16 million copies. GT sold Humongous to its parent company, Infograms, later renamed Atari SA, in August 2005, as a result of which the company was shut down a few months after. Infograms transitioned the label to a new company, Humongous Incorporated, which continued publishing games under, under the Humongous label until 2013, when it faced bankruptcy. As part of the bankruptcy agreement of the Atari SA subsidiary Atari Incorporated, Humongous Incorporated and Atari Interactive, Tomo acquired the Humongous brand and all of its assets and went on to re-release some of its games into digital distribution channels in conjunction with Night Dive Studios. Some of the games that Humongous Entertainment, like I said, you know, there were the people behind 
Putt Putt, Freddy Fish, Pajama Sam, Spy Fox, uh, Fatty Bear. They did a couple of Blues Clues ones. Uh, they did the Backyard Sports ones. They were just, you know, they did a lot. Uh, some of the titles in, you know, in the these series. Well, first, let's start with Putt Putt. So we got Putt Putt Joins the Parade, Putt Putt Goes to the Moon, Putt Putt Fun Pack, Putt Putt and Fatty Bear's Activity Pack, Putt Putt Saves the Zoo, a classic. Putt-Putt and Pep's Balloon-O-Rama. Putt-Putt and Pep's Dog on a Stick. Putt-Putt Travels Through Time. Putt-Putt Enters the Race. Putt-Putt's One-Stop Fun Shop. Putt-Putt Joins the Circus. I think I played that one too. And Putt-Putt Pep's Birthday Surprise 2003. Move on to another favorite of mine, Freddy Fish. Freddy Fish in the Case of the Missing Kelp Seeds, another classic. Freddy Fish 2, The Case of the Haunted Schoolhouse, Freddy Fish and Luther's Maze Madness, Freddy Fish and Luther's Water Worries, Freddy Fish 3, The Case of the Stolen Conch Shell, I think I played that one too, if I remember right, uh, Freddy Fish 4, The Case of the, of the Hogfish Rustlers of Briny Dolch, Freddy Fish's One Stop Fun Shop, and Freddy Fish 5, The Case, The Case of the Creature of Coral Cave. Uh, let me go back up. I'm going to go uh, to Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo for a second. Now, if you don't remember this one, what is wrong with you? Go play it right now. It's, it's the, the day, day of the, the grand, grand opening of the Tar Town Zoo. Putt-Putt and his dog Pep drive into the zoo and visit Mr. Baldini before attending the ceremonies. After saying hello, Mr. Baldini asks Putt-Putt if he can take some zoo chow to Outback Al, the new zookeeper. Puppa agrees and makes his way to the Cartown Zoo. The zoo is still closed, and Puppa enters after the front gates are opened by Outback Al. After Puppa delivers the bag of zoo chow, Outback Al mentions that the zoo is in quite a mess and not ready to be opened. He explains how many of the exhibits still need fixing. On top of that, six baby zoo animals have gone missing. Putt-Putt offers to help by finding the missing animals. Outback Al is relieved and gives Putt-Putt a list of the missing animals. Baby Jumbo, the elephant, Masai, the giraffe, Kenya, the lion cub, Zanzibar, the hippo, Sammy Seal, and Little Skeeter, the snake. Putt-Putt must find the six baby animals and save the zoo. After all six baby animals are rescued, Outback Al announces the opening of the Cartown Zoo to all the other cars. He even gives Putt-Putt the Junior Zookeeper Award and allows him to cut the ribbon. The zoo is officially open for everyone to enjoy. Alright, so, well, this is this is a classic game, this is a classic children's game, but let me rant for a second. So, you waited till opening day of a zoo to be like, oh, all the exhibits still need fixing. Hey, random child, you fix all of this. Like, like, what? What? No! Like, how does this make any sense? You're gonna trust this random child, not only, not only go to random animal exhibits to try to find baby animals, but also fix the entire zoo for you, and then you're just gonna do nothing but like, hey, here's a little ribbon that says, oh wait, he's out back out. Here's a little ribbon that says, you're a genius zookeeper. Like, no, I just did your entire job for you. I should be the zookeeper. God, what am I doing? I'm yelling about children's games on the internet. No, Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo. That's, I think out of all the Putt-Putt games, that's the one I remember the most. Uh, Freddy Fish, I don't, 
I think I played the stolen conch shell one, but I remember the uh, the one uh, case of the missing kelp seeds because there was a there was a YouTuber I watch called uh, or I used to watch actually called Bruno Moose, and he actually covered a couple of the Humongous Entertainment games because you know he's a he's a G like that, and remember he did a whole video on it talking with uh, Peanut Butter Gamer I think, and I think Peanut Butter Gamer is another YouTuber that covered some humongous entertainment games in the past because he's as big of a fan of them as I am. Uh, but moving on with the humongous entertainment games, another one that I know a lot of people remember is Pajama Sam. The titles in the Pajama Sam series go as thus. Pajama Sam, no need to hide when it's dark outside. Pajama Sam's sock works. Pajama Sam 2, thunder and lightning aren't so frightening. Pajama Sam's lost and found. Pajama Sam 3, you are what you eat from your head to your feet. Pajama Sam's one-stop fun shop. Pajama Sam, games to play on any day. And Pajama Sam, life is rough when you lose your stuff. Out, out of all these, oh, I remember, I think I played No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside, but the one I remember the most from my childhood is uh, Thunder and Lightning Aren't So Frightening. And it's basically a kid's point-and-click adventure game. Uh, the plot is goes as thus. During a scary thunderstorm, Pajama Sam journeys through his attic and up into the clouds to a massive weather manufacturing facility called World Wide Weather. However, he is denied entry by a rude and grumpy crossing gate for not being an employee and is forced to sneak inside by hiding in a crate. Sam enters the facility's control room where he meets a surprisingly kind thunder and lightning who explain to Sam how thunderstorms benefit the environment. While turning to leave, Sam trips on his cape and accidentally lands on a red button that causes the machines to malfunction and so is tasked with retrieving several missing important parts before the CEO and president of Worldwide Weather, Mother Nature, and Onion, finds out. The side objective of this game is to find all the missing puzzle pieces, which will form an amusing picture when they are all collected. This game employs multiple scenarios to play, each of the four weather machine parts to be found in one of two locations which are completely random, although the player can now choose from several combinations of scenarios to play with at the options screen. Yeah, that's the thing about this game, about the Pajama Sam games, that no two playthroughs are the same. Like, obviously you were tasked with, you know, finding something throughout the world, but every time you play, stuff was in a different spot. It was all at random, which I love. That definitely, you know, that definitely ups replayability of those. The game has multiple Easter eggs. At any time, players can enter the menu and select the fun button to bring up a board game similar to that of Sorry or Parcheesi, but players play with tokens modeled after umbrellas, fans, ice cubes, and suntan lotion. Also, there are various objects in almost every room that can be clicked on that will trigger small animations, such as a 10-second dance party. Throughout the game, there are puzzle pieces that can be picked up to assemble a Pajama Man puzzle, and the pieces change the location every time players replay the game. Players also use the phone in the lobby, can also use the phone in the lobby, and dial various single digits to have Sam contact different departments of worldwide weather. There is also a game on the third floor slash roof of the warehouse building, straight ahead from the elevator where Sam can look through binoculars, the kind found at tourist viewpoints such as, you know, Grand Canyon, which you usually have to put coins in to use. 
and spot items, 10 Pajama Man comic books, hidden in the Land of Darkness, the location sandwich boards in the first game. As with all Humongous Entertainment Junior Adventure titles, the game also contains hidden crossover cameos from the main protagonists of any of the three other Junior Adventure series. Yeah, Pajama Sam was... It was, it was really fun. It was a it was a kid's point and clicker point and clicker point and clicker. Give me that dare clicker. It was a kid's point and click adventure game, and I think that's why I love point and click adventure games now because I played Pajama Sam so much as a kid, and I got my I got my attention more towards point and click adventure games. That's why I played games like um like Escape like Monkey Island and uh. Day of the Tentacle and like Maniac Mansion and all that. It was just, they're really fun. And, you know, Pajama Sam is a good intro to that. And like I said, there's a lot of replayability with Pajama Sam games because, you know, each playthrough is completely randomized. You know, no two playthroughs are the same. I just, you know, I love him. I love Pajama Sam. Love you, you little, you little bastard. <laughs> uh, Spy Fox series. Spy Fox and Dry Cereal, Spy Fox and Cheese Chase, Spy Fox 2, Some Assembly Required, Spy Fox and Hold the Mustard, Spy Fox 3, Operation Ozone. I never played any of the Spy Fox games, but Spy Fox basically was like a kid's version of James Bond, and it was the same point-and-click adventure that, like, Pajama Sam was, but more of a, like, a secret agent thing. Uh, moving on... Uh, I don't know about any of these blue clues blues things, but I will move on to the, the Backyard Sports. And the one game that I know a lot of people remember is Backyard Baseball. Backyard Baseball is a series of baseball video games for children, which was developed by Humundus Entertainment and published by Atari. It was first released in October 1997 for Macintosh and Microsoft Windows. Later games were featured on Game Boy Advance, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Wii, and iOS. It is part of the Backyard Sports series. There have been 11 different versions of the game since 1997. Some of the game titles that were created include Backyard Baseball, Backyard Baseball 2001-2010, and Backyard Sports Sandlot Sluggers. The original game consisted of 30 neighborhood kids from which the player must build a team. Over the years, the idea of pro players as kids became popular, and the original statistics and looks of the players changed. Some of the professional players that were available included Chipper Jones, Frank Thomas, Alex Rodriguez, Alfonso Soriano, Ichiro Suzuki, Sammy Sosa, Jim Thome, Albert Pujols, Nomar Garcia Parra, Ken Griffey Jr., and Barry Bonds. As the game progresses, there are some professionals that become available or unlockable, including Randy Johnson, Derek Jeter, and Mike Piazza. In Backyard Baseball, players take a managerial role by creating a team of different players to compete against opponents. In the different installments, one could choose to play a one-off exhibition game or a seasonal league, followed by the Backyard Best or Baseball League playoffs which contains the American League and National League Divisional Series, the AL and NL Championship Series, and finally, the Backyard Baseball World Series. Series games will vary per game. This game has various playable modes. They include single game, batting practice, spectator, and season game. In 2013, the Evergreen Group acquired the intellectual property from Atari. Now, when I tell you guys I lost so many hours to Backyard Baseball... It's uh, it's not even funny. There's actually a, a secret about backyard baseball that I remember I actually saw in a video. 
apparently, a lot of people remember, um, what's his name, Pablo, the little kid Pablo that, you know, supposedly doesn't speak Spanish, but there's a cut dialogue from the game. Uh, I think you, you have to do some weird things to trigger it, but <laughs> there's some weird dialogue where he comes out and says, I speak Spanish to fool the other kids. I actually speak English at home. It's just, it, it's, it's funny and it's so weird. And there's, um, there's actually a lot of, shut up, watch. There's actually a lot of, uh, professional baseball things that actually came out and said that Pablo is the best baseball player of all time. Well, because he was. He was the best character in that game. Like, if you're building a team at backyard baseball, you had to have Pablo because he was one of the best hitters in that whole thing. And, I mean, as far as, like, the overall game, yeah, it's it's just a baseball game for kids. And, you know, you pick your team and you can, you know, you play baseball. And actually, it actually really interested me as a kid, both because, you know, it was a really fun game and also because I used to play baseball as a kid. I played baseball for, like, 12 years. I think it started when I was, I must have started when I was, like, 8 or something. And then I stopped when I was maybe 16. So I don't know if that's 12 years. I don't know if my math is right there, but I do remember it being 12 years that I played baseball. So yeah, backyard, I mean, I will still, I'll still play backyard baseball to this day. I don't, I don't care. Let, let me download it right now. I will play it to this day. But uh, I guess, yeah, overall, that's all the human entertainment had to offer. If you want to play any of these games, I'm sure you can find ROMs online. Otherwise, they have released some uh, Humongous Entertainment games on recent consoles. Looking at the Nintendo Store right now, uh, the ones they have available right now from the Nintendo Switch that you can you can purchase right now for twelve bucks each is Puppet Saves the Zoo, Spy Fox and Dry Cereal. Pajama Sam 2, Thunder and Lightning aren't so frightening. Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. Puppet Travels Through Time. And Freddy Fish, The Case of the Stolen Conch Shell. Those are all the Humongous Entertainment games, or former Humongous Entertainment, I guess. It's under UFO Interactive now. So just search UFO Interactive on the the Switch Store or the eShop. And you can find these, one, two, three, four, five, six of them. There's six of them on the store right now that you can still play to this day. Uh, a friend of mine actually said that sh- uh, they downloaded the, they downloaded Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo. And honestly, like, I'm, I'm staring at my Switch right now. I really want to purchase it. I really want to download it because I just, you know, it's, it's still a feel-good thing. It's, it's not even that, like, I want to play kids' games again. It's just the feeling of, like, you know what I mean? You look at an old game. Like, I think of it this way. So, with PlayStation, they have the new PlayStation Plus thing where they have, like, all the big name games you can download. And then they have the classics collection. They have a lot of uh, old PlayStation games. And one of the ones on their list was the original uh, Toy Story 2 game that I had for computer. But it also came out on the PS1. And, I, of course, I re-downloaded it. And I'm playing through it right now because I never... Well... <laughs> Admittedly, I never beat it as a kid, but also it's just because, you know, this is what I played as a kid and I just, I love playing stuff, you know, the same games that I played as a kid because it just, it calms me. It gives me that feeling of just nostalgia and warmth and brings me back to a simpler time when everything wasn't, you know, chaotic and the world wasn't literally on fire. It just, you know, it, it pleases me and I hope that a lot of you, you know, feel that same way. A lot of you 
just you know download these old games and just play them just you know, to, just to feel good, just to have that feel good moment. Like, oh, I remember this. This takes me way back. You know, this gives me a lot of peace. And I think that's ultimately why I wanted to cover this topic in the first place. Why I wanted to dedicate this month to childhood games. Because childhood games just give you that sense of peace. And I think that's what's, that's what's really important here. But we're going to exit Nostalgia Lane just, just for today. Until next week. But that's going to be it for Humongous Entertainment Games, or Edutainment Games, I guess. Uh, if you guys have played any of these games, or if you want to talk about any games that you played that I didn't, let me know on social medias. Uh, link in the description at the bottom. There's my like social media links. You know, if you scroll through the rest of like the other links at the bottom, there's all my social media links. But yeah, you know, give me, you know, leave a review of this podcast if you like what I do. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, they both do reviews, I know. You know, just leave your review. You know, tell me what you think. If I suck, tell me I suck. If I'm good, tell me I'm good. You know, just just interact. You know, it's the it's the best way to help out this podcast. And you know, like I said in the beginning, new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday. So make sure you're liking, following. You know, doing whatever, doing whatever you can with podcasts. Anything helps. With that being said, I'm gonna call this an episode. I hope you enjoyed this little trip down memory lane. Stay tuned next week for the next one. I've been Cameron, and as always. I will see you guys in the next one. Nerd out.